Welcome nerds. It's time to debrief you on the world of pop culture. Loading up rockabilly track. Now learning the mystic arts. Preparing updates on movies, TV, wrestling and more. ANS 5.0 activates in 3, 2, 1. Welcome to the Amazing Nerd Show. Hey, this is Christian. Hey, this is Damon. And this is the Amazing Nerd Show. All right, on this week's show, we're going to be reviewing Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. Plus, we're talking this week's episode of AEW Dynamite. All right, before we move on, it's time to announce the winner of our big giveaway for Spider-Man No Way Home on Blu-ray. The anticipation is killing me, Damon. Who won? All right, the winner of one copy of Spider-Man No Way Home on Blu-ray is... Tim Flattery! Woo! Yeah! Alright, well, you know what, Christian? We'll go ahead and we'll read the review, even though it was chosen at random. Uh, Tim wrote, Great show. Great show on nerd culture. The guys have a great take on the best in nerdy pop culture. I found the show about four months ago, and it quickly became one of my favorites. Tim, thank you so much for the kind words. Uh, Go ahead and DM us your address, and your copy of Spider-Man No Way Home will be on its way. Also, a big thank you to all the listeners who participated in the giveaway. Uh, If you did participate and you sent us a DM already, go ahead and send us your address and we'll send a little Amazing Nerd Show swag your way. Just as a little thank you. Because we really do appreciate those reviews, folks. They are a big help. And you know what? If you didn't get a chance to write a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, doesn't mean you don't have a chance to still do it. Uh, you, you just won't win a copy of, you know, Spider-Man No Way Home, but it will definitely help the show out and, you know, spread the word. Let's get into the news. Every week we collect the biggest headlines and rumors of nerdum. We're not mild-mannered reporters. We're mere podcasters with opinions. All right, up first, Moon Knight producers confirmed to be working on the Fantastic Four film. Producers Grant Gustin and Nick Pepin of the Moon Knight series are coming back for more Marvel action in what should be the next big team for the MCU with Fantastic Four finally arriving. Moon Knight writer Jeremy Slater broke the news to comicbook.com recently when Slater stated, My execs on Moon Knight are the same guys who are running Fantastic Four. So we had a lot of things to talk about. And that's most likely since Slater himself worked on the previous Fantastic Four that, uh, did fail quite a bit, though Slater would comment that only one line from his original script actually made it into the film. Jeremy Slater also went on to admit that he is not going to be a part of the next Fantastic Four project, or at least for now. Well, as a fan of the Moon Knight series, uh, I think this is exciting news. Uh, I'm just curious like how far into like pre-production they are right now. I know John Watts just recently walked away from the project as director. So I'm curious to see if we're going to get an announcement soon on who's going to be helming the ship. There's been tons of rumors swirling uh, currently that, you know, John Krasinski might be, you know, hopping on board. Uh, I don't know. Uh, Christian, who would you like to see uh, directing the Fantastic Four film now that John Watts is out of the picture? I mean, Krasinski's not a bad name for a director. No, I either, I agree you know? 100%. Um, I don't think he's probably going to be Reed Richards, but maybe he is, but I don't want to get into that right now for obvious reasons. Uh, <laughs> is there any other names that would excite you, though? I don't know. Tarantino? <laughs> <laughs> that would be fantastic. You know, he would write a great thing. Uh-huh. <laughs> I mean, the rest of the movie would just be, you know, chaos, but, uh, you know, I'd be on board for that. It'd be yeah. a, a real different take, that's for sure. <laughs> you know who I think would be great? Spielberg. And they totally won't be able to get him. Uh, but 
he just feels like the perfect director to, you know, you know, get behind a film that's about, you know, a superhero family. And I actually think he's one of the few, like, you know, big name directors who don't hate, like, the superhero genre. So, uh, I mean, they're still not going to get him, don't get me wrong. But <laughs> he, I, I don't think he'd want to be, like, handcuffed by all the restraints that Marvel would probably, mm-hmm. you know, put on him, um, you know, to fit their, you know, ongoing, you know, narrative. But, like, tone-wise, Spielberg, I think, would, you know, hit it out of the park. Well, if, I mean, if you can't get Spielberg, th- do you go with Abrams then? no. And that might just be, <laughs> I just might have heat with them after, you know, uh, Rise of Skywalker, but uh-huh. I don't know. Uh, what about Bryce Dallas Howard? Okay, I mean, she's a great director so far. Right, I mean, she's hit out of the park with Star Wars. Why not mm-hmm. give her a Marvel vehicle? I feel like she could crush it. I feel like with how they've been doing, like, all their Marvel series and then doing movies, I feel like they would give her a series first to work on. I don't know. I mean, she has, like, feature films underneath her belt, though, Mm -hmm. I think. So, and they like to, like, grab, like, the newest, youngest, like, hottest directors. So why not? I'm sure she could bring something cool to the table. So up next, we got production updates on two big upcoming Disney Plus series. Productionlist.com recently reported that the MCU series Loki is starting their production in June. Filming will begin in London with Justin Benson and Aaron Moorhead uh, set to direct. Both of them having directed episodes of the Moon Knight series, which you can catch our review for on last week's episode. But that's not the only Disney Plus series currently in the works right now, as over in the Star Wars camp, the Ahsoka series started production just this past Monday on the 9th, as the Star Wars Twitter page gave us a picture of Filoni's trademark cowboy hat hanging off the director's chair. Yeah, I mean, we obviously don't want to get into spoilers right now, but after Multiverse of Madness, I'm really curious to see what direction, you know, Loki season two goes in. On the Star Wars front, I'm curious to see if we get some, like, official, like, casting announcements for Ahsoka at a Star Wars celebration later on this month. Because, I mean, we've heard tons of rumors, but I don't think we've gotten anything, like, official official, right? No, yeah. It's all been, like, you know, this person and this person are playing these people. Rumors. Yeah. So, I mean, we, we've done them all, but we, I definitely want to see some, like, actual, like, costumes or something. I don't know if we'll get that, but maybe they'll do a panel where they just, like, reveal mm. all the actors and actresses like, involved on the show and, you know, introduce them to the, you know, the audience. So up next, we have a rumor for the upcoming Penguin series uh, pointing to another Golden Age Batman villain joining the HBO Max show. So coming from the most credible place on the internet, 4chan, a rumor has been hitting the news cycle this past week of Clayface being part of the upcoming Penguin spinoff to the Batman. A recent casting listing for the series described the role as an actor who was driven mad when he heard he couldn't participate in a play due to his deformed face. Which, I mean, does sound a little bit similar to the 1940s version of Clayface, who, I guess, went on a killing spree after someone tried to remake the horror movie he was in, which ultimately led him to going mad as he took on the persona of the horror movie's villain, Clayface. But there are technically a lot of villains in the DC universe that could fit this description, especially when it comes to just having a deformed face that drives them mad. So I would say take this one with a grain of salt. I don't know, man. I mean... That casting listing sounds exactly like the, you know, original Clayface. So, I mean, I guess they could be trying to, like, you know, hide, you know, who the character really is in the description. But I don't know. Uh, take it with a grain of salt, like you said. But um, 
at first when I heard the rumor of Clayface, I thought it was like way too fantastical mm-hmm. for like Reese's version of, you know, the Batman, um, you know, for that universe. But I mean, the original Clayface is pretty much just a serial killer. So I guess it works. I'm just interested to see how this like series like functions. Uh, is this a prequel or is it supposed to be taking place after the events of the Batman? Has that actually come out yet? I don't remember them saying if it was a prequel or not. I think the synopsis originally said it's all about like penguins rise in the underworld. So could this be taking place, you know, before the events of the Batman and it's about him kind of like rising through the ranks of like, you know, uh, Falcone's like, you know, mob? It could be, but at the same time, I, without spoiling Batman, uh, I mean, this could be Penguin's, you know, rise to now being the leader of the gang. I feel like he's like already prone, though, to like take over at that mm. point like it feels like he's like his top lieutenant right well, there's, there's always going to be a power vi- vacuum someone else is going to try and take the throne yeah i mean maybe what happens triggers like a mob war or something like that um i guess we'll just have to wait and see yeah it's weird because this version of clayface feels like kind of like the villain of the week which would be more typical in a show that has like a hero <laughs> but since it's like penguin like i i wonder how his story will intertwine with, you know, the penguins rise, you know, into power. So um, I just hope it's not a case of we're just getting another like, you know, Gotham like 2.0 or something. Mm-hmm. Like I would I would hate for him to be kind of treated the way like Victor's has has been treated in the past, uh, like Batman films, where it's just such a like a C character. You know, if you bring it in mm-hmm. another villain, might as well make it something significant. I mean, maybe it's a situation where like Penguin's a producer on the film, uh, you know, that's being, you know, remade off of his, you know, horror film. And that's how they mm-hmm. come to odds or something. That'd be fun. I mean, we do know that everyone hates remakes. So, all right, moving on. Dune part two adds Christopher Walken to its all star cast. Hollywood Reporter has come out stating the man himself, Christopher Walken, will be playing the Emperor Shaddam IV in the second part of Dune. Additional details about the film are still being kept behind closed doors, but so far Walken joins the large cast along with you know, Florence Pugh and Austin Butler who had recently been announced for the films. Christian, if it was up to me, Christopher Walken would be in every film. So I think this is fantastic news. <laughs> I don't care if he wants to play the goddamn sandworm. Like, you, you let him do whatever the fuck he wants. Christopher Walken's automatically makes your movie better. So I'm all for this. I feel like it's been a while since I've seen him in, like, a non-comedy role, you know, for Christopher Walken. So I, I'm interested. Oh, he, he's perfect for the world of Doom, uh-huh. right? Like, <laughs> I mean, there's always something, you know, off-kilter about him. So, I mean, it, it just works. All right, next we have some huge Scream 6 casting news. THR reported in that Hayden Pantier will be making her big comeback to the Scream franchise as Kirby in Scream 6. This story dropped shortly after Paramount came out and confirmed the return of Scream's newer cast members, Jenna Ortega, Melissa Beria, Mason Gooding, and Jasmine Savoy Brown, who all made their debut in last year's film. Yeah, I mean, this is good news. Uh, Kirby is a fan favorite. Um, she's probably one of the only highlights from Scream 4, honestly. Uh, she played the the big uh, horror nerd. Um, you know, it, it was always in question whether or not she survived the movie. We saw a little Easter egg in uh, the most recent Scream. I don't even know what the hell to call it. Is it Scream 2022? 20, is that what we're calling I, I it? I guess. 
All right, whatever. I hate, I hate uh-huh. that they just leave it screwed. But anyway, <laughs> I won't go on a tirade. Uh, but yeah, uh, so I, I had a feeling that she would eventually come back. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see if she's like one of the main characters, though, or if she's just going to be a glorified cameo. Uh, I am excited, though, that they're bringing back a lot of the cast from the last film. Hopefully that's a signal that they're going to start to actually like, you know, move on from the original cast, especially now, spoilers, that Dewey's gone. And they'll be playing more of a, just a supporting role, um, if not just glorified cameos also. Uh, because I, I did feel like they were a little, like, tacked on it, to the last film, um, you know. And I actually enjoyed a lot of the newer characters that they introduced. So um, there's the whole, like, you know, daughter of Billy Loomis storyline that they could tackle. Um, it's something fresh and different mm-hmm. for the Scream franchise. But I think there's potential there to do something fresh and different. All right, lastly, it seems like we get an Omen prequel film in the works. The Antichrist returns as Deadline reports a prequel to The Omen is in the works. The new film being called The First Omen, which I'm sure won't confuse anyone at all, will be directed by Arkasha uh, Stenson. I apologize if I said that name wrong. Um, in her first full-length feature film, and she's only worked on shows like Legion and Brand New Cherry Flavor. Um, she will also be co-writing with Tim Smith, plus set to produce is going to be David S. Goyer and Kevin Levine. This news seems to come out after years of development hell, as apparently the project has been being passed around since 2016, with even the writers of The Conjuring and Conjuring 2 once being on for the prequel. So I think Goyer's also attached to the uh, Hellraiser series or film, one of the two. Like there's two, right? There's a film and a series coming out. I believe they're also making a series, but we haven't heard anything from the series for a while, at least. Okay. I know the film is coming out on Hulu. I think it's actually scheduled to come out this year. Uh, We'll see if that's still a thing, though. Right, because mm. I know they casted it at least. <laughs> so, uh, but anyway, um, so I'm just not sure how a prequel to the Omen would work. You know, like did the devil have another son that you know failed to take over the world? Is that what we're going with? <laughs> I don't know. They, I mean, nothing's set right now. Uh, she's also set to be the writer on this, so I'm not sure. Oh, so we're in, like, yeah, early yeah. pre-production. I mean, just remake the old uh-huh. one. I know they did it in, like, the early 2000s, and it kind of sucked. It was really just, I know, bland. Um, but I feel like there's probably a different angle they could tell the story from. I mean, the original Omen, you know, by Richard Donner, is one of my favorite horror films of all time. And I feel like it's kind of a film that's been forgotten about as of late, which is weird. Um you know, it just it doesn't get cited anymore mm-hmm. as like one of the like, you know, horror classics that it really is. And I'll be honest, I actually enjoy the sequels, too. Uh, not the one with the, the daughter. That was kind of weird. <laughs> uh, but the, the first two were pretty cool. You kind of watch him like actually like grow up and like take over. So, I mean, it, it's a cool concept. Uh, but yeah, I mean, a prequel. Eh, I don't know. It, do, it doesn't really do much for me. I, I bet you, but we'll see. I bet it's going to be more of a kind of reboot remake without like it'll be like right before or something or right like halfway through. Sure. <laughs> uh, like I've said in the past, like I don't hate remakes and, you know, prequels um, because I feel like worst case scenario, you know, it gets new eyes on the original. So, you know, it is what it is, I guess. All right, Christian, this past week, we both saw Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. Warning spoiler alert. Major spoilers for Doctor Strange 2 ahead. You have been warned. 
And now, our feature presentation. What have you done? I never meant for this to happen. You cannot control everything. You brought this on yourself. You break the rules and become a hero. I do it and I become the enemy. That doesn't seem fair. I can't seem to find a good synopsis of what actually happened in the movie, but Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness was directed by Sam Raimi and stars Benedict Cumberbatch and Elizabeth Olsen. So all in all, I enjoyed Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. And even though it has its issues and I wouldn't put it in the upper echelon of MCU films, it was really hard for me as a horror fan not to bask in the Sam Raimi of it all. I was just so honestly surprised how much of the director's signature style was able to penetrate the Marvel Cinematic Machine. While I love much of what Kevin Feige and Gang delivers to us year in and year out, but other than what Taika did in Thor Ragnarok, I can't remember another Marvel film that has so much of the director's fingerprints all over it. And I'm hoping this becomes the norm because the film was absolutely engrossing and visually unique and just fueled by Raimi's frenetic energy, making it just stand out from the pack. Raimi as an artist is made for this genre of film, and the director brought his brand of over-the-top mayhem and true blue horror to Marvel, and I believe the franchise will be better off for it. Also, while one of my biggest concerns was the scope of the multiverse being too daunting of an undertaking for any one film to tackle, I thought what the movie delivered was a good introduction that could be built on. And they might have even played it a little too safe, but that might be years of wild speculation and rumors talking. Because honestly, my god, if you would have explained to me five years ago the scene with the Illuminati, my head would have exploded faster than black bolts. Sorry, spoilers. So unfortunately, what brings this film down a couple notches for me is the writing. I mean, not really the plot because I enjoyed where the film took us and the overall journey of the characters. And I really do have to applaud some of the bold choices that they made. I mean, I feel like Wanda had to be the villain of the film and anything else would have really like cheapened her Breaking Bad and WandaVision. No, what I'm really taking umbrage with is the dialogue. It just felt so hollow at times and borderline hokey that it really drags down the emotional core of the movie, with Wanda's story in particular. It's like it was written by someone who hasn't read a comic book since the early 70s and thinks that's what the medium still sounds like. And listen, with Raimi, you expect a good amount of tongue-in-cheek cheese, like, but man, the superhero genre has elevated past that now, and it just came off incredibly, like, unnatural, especially compared to what we've gotten from Marvel in the past. And for me, this caused a lot of the more dramatic moments in the film not to really resonate. And this by no means was the fault of the performers. It was just the words that they were speaking felt almost, I don't know, wooden and disingenuous. And on that note, American Chavez was also really let down by the script. There's just not enough moments for her to make her arc really land. She's definitely a bit shortchanged by the end of the day. 
Also, on the technical side of things, some of the CGI felt a little dated, but that might be more of a style choice knowing Raimi. And then Elfman's score, who I usually love, was a bit hit or miss. And at times it felt like it was overwhelming scenes, which is just a huge pet peeve of mine. Now, on a much more positive note, uh, this film does so much to justify the existence of the MCU series. And it really demonstrates how symbiotic the relationship between the shows and films can be. I mean, WandaVision is really Scarlet Witch's origin story as a villain. And really, at the end of the day, I just wish Multiverse of Madness did a better job of capturing the spirit of the series and Wanda's art. But... Even with Multiverse of Madness being a bit of a mixed bag, I still walked out of the theater entertained, witnessing some extremely surreal, unforgettable moments that I wouldn't even dare to imagine we'd ever see on the big screen from Marvel. And I am excited to see what comes next for the good Doctor, especially since he's going to have to deal with the consequences of messing with the Darkhold. At the end of the day, I'm just disappointed that the film wasn't able to live up to the high bar set by WandaVision storytelling-wise. So with all that being said, I'm going to go ahead and give Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness a B-. So even though the film didn't live up to its full potential, I still think it's a worthwhile journey. For me, I have been frothing at the mouth for this film for quite a while. I think ever since we first reported on the project, you know, being the MCU's first horror film, I've been giddily anticipating its release. And on the horror front, it completely delivered in ways that only Sam Raimi can. But as Damon just iterated, unfortunately, the goofy dialogue often took me out of the story. I felt like most of the film I spent saying, yeah, this sure is a Raimi film in my head. And while that's not necessarily a bad thing, because I was thoroughly entertained by the PG-13 horror elements in my superhero flick, I definitely couldn't invest as much into the story, at least for two of my favorite Marvel characters. It can't be denied that WandaVision set a high bar for character performance and storytelling, so seeing Wanda's story kind of conclude in one film in the hands of Raimi and company, of course, was going to have a hard time living up to that series. But I do wish that there may have been a little bit more oversight on the elements between Wanda and her kids, as, you know, they do pertain to WandaVision. Like, I agree there. Uh, their scenes just didn't resonate in the same way that they would have in the show. And I think that's one of this film's biggest you know negatives because i can justify wanda going off her rockers with the dark hold in hand guiding her but i still need to believe in the relationship she has with her made-up children to you know make it more real on top of that i had larger hopes for the prophecy that was brought up in wandavision that seemed to get kind of solved here in this film so that was a little bit disappointing for me and as we talk about the marvel series that are out i can't help but compare the great characterization of kate bishop and hawkeye to what we got with Chavez here in Doctor Strange, which is an unfair comparison as we got way more time with Kate, but I felt like they barely scratched the surface with America Chavez. I felt like the film could have gone with maybe one more additional scene to kind of show her struggling to use her powers to help in the grand scheme or, or something like that, because her role beyond being Wanda's key to victory just felt a bit too short. You know, I don't have any issues with how they, you know, change things about the character, you know, her origin and stuff like that. That. And in the end, this is still a Doctor Strange film, so he should be the bigger presence. But the arcs for both Wanda and Chavez just felt 
very weak in this film. But on the other hand, I felt like they captured the spirit of just about every single Doctor Strange book I've ever read, and I believe Steven's journey was significantly better here than what we had gotten in the very first film. I feel like Raimi and Doctor Strange's character are a fantastic fit for one another. All the characters native to Strange in the MCU, like Wong, were very well handled. And I felt like they did a very good job of keeping those relationships, you know, alive and well. You know, everything we got with Christine and Wong worked very well in the end. Um, effects wise, the CGI didn't bother me. It's just more noticeable due to how clean the MCU keeps trying to make all these films. Um, it just feels like they just keep smoothing everything out way too much. And since they're doing that, they can't use like film grain tricks or anything that really hides CGI well. You know, with especially with everything being so bright and colorful that you can see just about every little crack in the seams. You know, you're gonna get that more video gamey effect to the CGI in general because of that. It's one of the biggest reasons I do want them to take on more stylized approaches to the visuals in the future, but we'll see if that ever comes to be. Anyway, in the end, I had a good time with the film, and while Doctor Strange himself felt right, the side characters just weren't done as much justice for me, especially with how they executed the story. So for those reasons, I'm going to be giving it a B. Warning spoiler alert. Major spoilers for the ending of Doctor Strange 2 ahead. End credits and more discussed. You have been warned. Alright Christian, so now that Multiverse of Madness has come and passed, uh, let's go ahead and let's dive into what we think the events of the film means for the future of the MCU. Uh, you know, so spoilers, I, I believe we already have the robots say spoilers, but you know, Spoilers once again, uh -huh. just in case, you know, go ahead, check those timestamps, jump ahead if you don't want to hear anything about the film. But I mean, it's been a week now, so it's kind of on you at this point, right? <laughs> I guess. <laughs> hey, man, like if you really care about this shit, you've seen it. Already. Uh -huh. Come on. <laughs> and you're definitely not listening to a film review about it. Fair enough. Fair enough. So in the film, they, you know, introduced the idea of incursion events. Um, you know, it's the reason why the Illuminati is put together. Um, at the end of the film, we see Clea show up and, you know, grab Doctor Strange to go deal with an incursion event in the Dark Dimension. These incursion events is when two universes are about to crash into each other. The only way for a universe to, like, survive an incursion event is for them to, like, destroy the other universe. So, it's I mean, it's pretty dark and fucked up. Uh, you know, we had the idea of incursions introduced in uh, Jonathan Hickman's run on the New Avengers, uh, and they were the prelude to his Secret Wars event. It's a pretty amazing uh, storyline that lasted like a couple years. Um, you know, Hickman's all about like slow burn storytelling. Uh, so what happens in the comics is Black Panther discovers that there's an incursion about to happen uh, to the 616 universe. Uh, it's all signaled by like seeing another Earth basically in the sky. So, um, but he, he discovers it. He goes ahead and he reforms the Illuminati, which at that point had been disbanded. Uh, you know, this time the team is comprised of Black Bolt, Namor, Black Panther, obviously, uh, Captain America, Beast, and Iron Man and uh, Mr. Fantastic. They come to the conclusion that they need to go ahead and reform the Infinity Gauntlet uh, and try to actually, you know, push this universe away from theirs uh, before, you know, comes, you know, crashing down on them. The only person that they trust to wield the power of the Infinity Gauntlet is Captain America, which is, I think, the obvious choice. He's actually successful from, you know, stopping the incursion from happening, 
but it's at the cost of the Infinity Stones. They actually all turn to dust, uh, except for the Time Stone, which disappears. So after this, they realize that these incursions are going to keep on happening and that they're now completely powerless to stop them. Also, you have to factor in like once an incursion is about to happen, they only have, I believe, like eight hours to stop it. So the situation's pretty fucking dire. So, I mean, the only conclusion that they come to is that they have to destroy these other universes to save their own. Um, obviously, Captain America is opposed to this. So they go ahead and make the call just to mind wipe him. So he has no memory whatsoever of any of this going down. Now, at the tail end of this event, he does regain his memories and holy shit is he pissed. But anyway, the rest of the series is kind of like a morality play as the Illuminati deal with incursion after incursion, uh, which means they're pretty much like killing like billions of people on other universes, uh, you know, whenever they have to like, you know, deal with one of these events. But anyway, to make a long story short, we end up discovering that this whole event was caused by Dr. Doom unknowingly, who was trying to stop these cosmic beings known as the Beyonders from destroying the multiverse. At the end, the multiverse does end up dying, uh, but Doom is able to save what he can in this new reality called Battleworld, which is made up of, you know, different heroes from different universes. And of course, with, you know, Doom ruling over it as like, you know, the king god. As he should. <laughs> it's a great story. I, I highly recommend like checking it out. And that basically leads to the events of Secret Wars, Hickman's Secret Wars. It's much different than the 80s Secret Wars, which at the end of the event, we do see the Marvel Universe be reformed. And I'm not really sure like who remembers what, um, you know, after Secret Wars, some of the Ultimate Universe ended up like blending with uh, Marvel 616. Uh, and we had like, you know, Miles Morales now part of, you know, 616 proper it just really seemed to be marvel's way of you know streamlining all their multiverses mm -hmm. and kind of like you know chair picking the best of the best so all of that was really a long way of saying <laughs> that it definitely seems like mcu is like now officially on the road to secret wars yes um i'm guessing that we're going to see more of these incursion events or at least alluded to um, when do you think we see Doctor Strange and Celia again? You know, like, are are we going to see that story played out in, like, the next Doctor Strange sequel? Or is that going to be happening in perhaps, like, another event movie? I feel like they'll do that story in another Doctor Strange sequel before they'll do, like, Secret Wars or have him appear necessarily in another film. Because the only other thing I could imagine Doctor Strange showing up in at this point is maybe um, Blade at the end or something like that. Now, for those who don't know, uh, the woman Celia who showed up has a long history in the comic book. She actually um, is from the Dark Dimension, uh, which I believe is where the incursion is happening uh, at the end of Doctor Strange, Multiverse of Madness. She's somehow related to Dormammu, um, who's also from the Dark Dimension. She ends up in the comic books actually marrying Doctor Strange, uh, but eventually I believe Strange like mind wipes her or something to kind of forget about him. <laughs> 
healthy. Although I, I don't. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, it's a great way to deal with you know problems, right? Um, mm. But hey, he's a sorcerer supreme, or at least he was, because actually in the comic books, Celia is now the current sorcerer supreme. Uh, I have no clue how that happened. Because at this point, I feel like I'm a couple years behind. Uh-huh. You know? <laughs> which I got I got a lot of reading to do. We also have Quantumania coming up, which is the Ant-Man sequel, which would sound like the odd place for, you know, this you know story, at least, you know, to kind of like tie in. But we do know that Kang is supposed to be part of that film. So, and, you know, where Kang is, there's definitely, you know, multiverse chaos happening. Um you know, and then we also have season two of Loki. And I'm not saying like the story of, you know, season two is going to revolve around Doctor Strange and, you know, the incursions. But I mean, it's something that they could like, you know, maybe allude to, you know, happening uh, presently in, you know, the Marvel Universe. Uh, because like once an incursion starts, like it doesn't stop. Like usually it's like dominoes. Like the incursions keep on going, at least in the comic books, until the whole like multiverse is destroyed. And I don't know, maybe like the events of what happened in Loki, the first season, is what's causing these incursions, maybe? Because the way the Kang kind of set it up was more of it's like, oh, it's going to be my fault that everything falls apart again if you free like all of my versions and stuff like that. But at the same time, I, I could still see them going the Doctor Doom route where mm -hmm. Doctor Doom is the cause I mean, of all the incursions. The Secret Wars is definitely something that's going to be part of like a, a later phase mm -hmm. i'm guessing it's probably going to be like the conclusion of multiple phases like you know this new era of marvel's like end game i'm guessing mm -hmm. um you know the more i think about it like it feels like this whole like first incursion that you know strange is going to have to deal with is probably going to have to happen in his own movie um, mm -hmm. you know at least for them to do it justice especially like his relationship with clea so, um, it, you know, I, I'm guessing it's going to be a character that's going to kind of play a bigger role in, you know, the MCU, especially since she's such a big part of Doctor Strange's, you know, uh, story arc in the comics. But either way, I feel like that third film has to be kind of upsetting because I feel like that incursion will com like completely destroy whatever universe they're trying to save. Yes and no, um, because they, you know, I mean, they have stopped incursions before. You know, in the comics, at least. Um, but that's if they're actually, like, playing by those rules. Mm -hmm. And just because they stop an incursion doesn't mean that there's not going to be another incursion, like I was saying. Like, it is, you know, dominoes. It's pretty much inevitable. I'm just saying it would be a good way to show the seriousness of what an incursion will be like, especially if that's going to be one of the big things that lead into Secret yeah, Wars. Yeah, I mean, you could have a situation that, you know, since they destroy the Dark Realm, that unleashes, like, hell on Earth. Mm -hmm. You know, or just, you know, across the rest of the universe. And since we're in, like, you know, just the fourth phase, I'm guessing we're a good, like, I don't know, 10 years out before we see, like, a Secret Wars film. Mm -hmm. We know Kevin Foggy likes to play the long game. And, I mean, I applaud him for it. I'm just, I'm going to be so excited for the moment when it's, like, one of the most, like, innocent MCU films that we get. And that's when you see the second Earth up in the sky yes. at the very end. You yes. Know? Yes. I could see like a <laughs> mid credit scene or something like that, um, you know, as a huge like stinger or something. Mm -hmm. And with the Fantastic Four film already on the horizon, um, 
I, I, I guess that, you know, that could be where they introduce Dr. Doom if they choose to do that, you know, right away. Um, although it feels like Dr. Doom has to already exist to start these incursions if they're going that route. And maybe mm-hmm. it's Kang, you know, who starts everything. Um, I, I don't know. Or, or it could, I guess it could just be a different like universes, Dr. Doom. Or, I mean, the way I would see them playing it is Dr. Doom might have started causing things and we won't know in the first Fantastic Four film. Like, they'll they'll keep it, like, a secret for a while. And who knows? Maybe it's as cut and dry as the film would have us, you know, to believe. Where, you know, it's the Illuminati's, you know, version of Doctor Strange in their universe who causes these incursions when he starts fucking around with the Darkhold. And then maybe, like, our Doctor Strange ends up being like the big bad of the MCU for, you know, the next couple phases. Cause we know that he did, you know, mess around with the Darkhold and the Darkhold always ends up corrupting you. He did, you know, get the third eye and everything at the end of the film. So I don't know. That'd be a hell of a story. Uh huh. <laughs> Make Doctor Strange the big bad in the end. Uh huh. Right. So that's crazy. <laughs> I still want God version of Dr. Doom, though. <laughs> I mean, think about it, it's really no difference than, you know, Tony Stark, you know, low key being the villain of the first three phases. Mm-hmm. Although I think, honestly, I would rather see Doom. So <laughs> that's just me. But regardless, I mean, it should be a fun ride. Uh, I'm sure Foggy has something huge in store for us. Uh, I know he's already got all this shit mapped out, I'm sure. Uh, you know, I, I guess, you know, I guess the next time we could get any hints of, you know, what's in store for the future of Marvel is in, you know, either the Miss Marvel series or, you know, the upcoming Thor film. Just as long as it's not going to be Terrigen Mist in the future of the MCU, I'm happy. They did bring up Terrigen Mist, didn't they? Yes. <laughs> yeah, I cringed a little. But it does appear from what we've seen in the trailer from Miss Marvel, it doesn't look like that's going to be the route that they're going in. I was really hoping, you know, Scarlet Witch would say no in humans. <laughs> that'd be great i would have loved it uh-huh. i would have popped <laughs> and while she's at it she could throw the eternals uh-huh. in <laughs> but if you're a marvel fan make sure you stay tuned because in the next couple weeks we'll be breaking down the miss marvel series and now a quick word from our sponsor manscape Summer is coming, the sun is shining, shirts are off, and your balls are smooth. You heard that right. Your friends at Manscaped are here to make sure your beach balls are as smooth as Floridian sand. In the summer, you want to kill some cold beers and barbecues, not kill the vibe with pubes peeking out of your swim trunks. That's why Manscaped has their Performance Package 4.0 to keep the part of your pants looking crisp and refreshing all summer long. Dive headfirst into summer by joining the 4 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped and get ready for hot guy summer by going to manscaped.com for 20% off plus free shipping with our code 20NerdShow. It's summertime, gents, and if you're trying to get lucky during convention season, make sure your Ewoks are high and tight. Maybe someone will want to touch your yubby. That's right, the Manscaped Performance Package 4.0 has everything you need to prepare that summer bod. Inside this package, you'll find the Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer, Weed Whacker Ear and Nose Hair Trimmer, Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant, 
Prepper Vibrant Toner, Performance Boxer Briefs, and a travel bag to hold your goodies. Their Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to their advanced skin safe technology. The Lawnmower 4.0 has a 7,000 RPM motor. A new multifunction on off switch can engage a travel lock and gives you the ability to turn the 4000K LED spotlight on and off when needed for a more precise shave. And did I mention this trimmer is waterproof too? From the shower to the lake, from your chest scruff all the way down to your ball throw, the Lawnmower 4.0 is the best trimmer around. Once your downstairs weeds are taken care of, look after the rest with Manscaped's liquid formulations. Before heading outside, use the Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant to stay cool in the heat. With a soothing aloe vera formula, it's the best in the business for below the waist freshness. This clear drying formula will keep you in tip-top shape even at the hottest barbecue or the longest convention line. And Manscaped's even throwing in two free gifts with their Performance Package 4.0, the Manscaped Boxers and the Shed Travel Bag that will bring your comfort to another level. Want to take your grooming game even further? Take a look at Manscaped Shears 2.0, a package that has everything you need to look pristine. Nail cutters, tweezers, and grooming scissors. With the Performance Package, your balls will be ready to impress, but make sure you cover the rest with the Shears 2.0 and you'll be ready to perform from head to toe. So listeners get 20% off plus free shipping with our code 20NerdShow at Manscaped.com. That's right, 20% off plus free shipping with our code 20NerdShow at Manscaped.com. This is the summer to turn your package into the full package with Manscaped. And now it's time for Christian's Corner. This week in gaming, we saw some big hits to the Xbox release schedule with Bethesda announcing the delay of Starfield and Redfall. On Twitter, Bethesda posted, We've made the decision to delay the launches of Redfall and Starfield to the first half of 2023. The teams at Arcane Austin and Bethesda Game Studio have incredible ambitions for their games, and we want to ensure that you receive the best, most polished version of them. We want to thank everyone for their excitement for Redfall and Starfield. That energy is huge part of what inspires all of us every day and drives our own excitement for what we are creating. We can't wait to share our first deep dive into gameplay for both Redfall and Starfield soon. Which now we can probably assume when they say soon, that probably means some gameplay may be shown off during the June Xbox showcase that we will be live reacting to over on Twitch. Now, I say this time and time again, delays aren't necessarily a bad thing. We know that both of these games are going to be large, so it should be expected it's going to need a bit more polish. However, the internet, of course, has been on a tizzy bringing up the fact that Xbox promised big releases every three months or so, and how these delays are kind of a setback for the console generation. But after years of pandemic-related setbacks to not only the games industry, but the entertainment industry on all fronts, I feel like people just should learn how to deal with it. We should rather praise companies for trying to push out the best product that they can actually make. Because otherwise, we're going to end up in another day one cyberpunk issue where we see them, you know, obviously trying to make more money rather than complete their own game. I'm sure first party wise, it doesn't look great for Xbox right now, but plenty of games are still coming out from third party studios for both the console and PC. And overall, people will forget that there was ever a delay as long as both these games come out in good condition. But either way, I'm sure we're going to learn more at the, you know, June, uh, like what was supposed to be their E3 conference, uh, the Xbox showcase. 
along with plenty of other news coming out in the next month or so, because we're approaching convention season pretty damn fast. Um, I should be heading to my first con this year next week. I should be at ASIN, um, Anime Central. If you live in the Chicagoland area, I would love to snap a photo with you in cosplay holding the amazing Nerd Show World Heavyweight title as featured on our Instagram and, of course, on our PCW shows every Thursday and Friday on Twitch. With that said, whatever day I'm at the con, I will not be live on Twitch, though I think I'm going to probably do some bonus streams anyway during the week to kind of make up for the missing day or missing time that I'm out. So we may be actually live this Wednesday as well. Uh, come join us as we have recently started Bioshock on the channel and are checking out other games on Game Pass, speaking of Xbox, uh, this weekend as well. But all right, now on to wrestling. I used to wake up every morning and ask myself, are you a good guy? This morning I woke up and I asked myself, are you the champ? All right, don't call it a comeback. After last week's lackluster Dynamite, AW came out swinging this week, putting on one hell of a show as we kick things off right with an Owen Hart quarterfinal match between Dax Hardwood and Adam Cole. Baby! <laughs> uh, I thought this was a great match. I was surprised like on how over Dax is with the crowd. Um, you know, I mean, this was a white hot crowd. Uh, they were in, uh, where were they? Long Island, yep, New York, Long right? Long Island. I always want to say New Jersey for some reason. I know that's blasphemy, They're but whatever. Same, right? fuck, fuck those guys, right? <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, I, this was a great match. Uh, but yeah, Dax was super over with the crowd, um, even with Adam Cole in the ring, which I was surprised because he is kind of like the darling of, you know, AEW right now, regardless of him being a heel. Uh, but they had a great back and forth. I really, truly started to believe that Dax was going to win this mm -hmm. match. Uh, he was that white hot. Uh, you know, they had lots of great shots of Martha Hart in the crowd, um, which I think kind of played into it. Like, I was like, oh, are they going to go ahead and have the baby face go over? It seemed like she was kind of cheering for Dax, uh, but that wasn't the case. Uh, Adam Cole playing the true heel, teased a bunch of Shawn Michaels spots. He even tuned up the band in the mm -hmm. corner uh, <laughs> to like a chorus of boos, which was fantastic. And he ended up beating Dax with the sharpshooter in the middle of the ring. As a guy who we know has a good relationship with Shawn Michaels, I think it would be kind of cool if he keeps on working kind of the anti, you know, Brett, you know, mm -hmm. stuff. Uh, we'll see if that continues, you know, throughout the tournament. Uh, but this was a fantastic match and a great way to start off the evening. Oh, yeah, I definitely had some more hope for Dax to move forward in this tournament, but it seems like Adam Cole is going to be like the perfect foil for that final match as he continues on with this type of style. No, I agree 100%. 100%. After the match, I finally got my wish, and we got a video package actually hyping up the main event of the show, which is Darby Allen versus Jeff Hardy and the other uh, Owen Hart uh, quarterfinals match. Uh, I feel like this is Wrestling 101. You gotta hype up your main event during the show, and, I mean, they've done it in the past, but I feel like it's something that they've gotten away from. So I was glad to see it, like, you know, see them return to form if you will and you also also knew this match had to be no rules like it, there was yes. no way they wouldn't do that, it that way 
That's right. Uh, Darby came out right away and said, you know, there's no way we can have rules in this match, basically alluding to the fact that they're going to shoot each other. (laughs) (laughs) And that's pretty much what Uh. happened. So we'll get into that in a little bit, though. But anyway, after the package, we saw Hangman come out and join the commentary team to uh, witness CM Punk versus John Silver. Uh, This was a great back and forth. Uh, It seems like Punk is continuing his feud with uh, Long Island here. (laughs) He came out wearing their team's colors, mocking the fans. Uh, He even had them cutting his music. (laughs) Maybe because they just didn't deserve to hear it. I don't know. I think Uh, it's so we can actually hear the boos because I couldn't hear it through the music at first. I guess. I don't know. It was hilarious, though. Um, And then we had John Silver, who's actually a hometown boy. So uh, this was a great back and forth. Uh, I was surprised, like, how much Punk gave to Silver. Uh, But, I mean, Silver's a a really talented guy. Uh, But Punk ended up winning with the Buckshot Lariat uh, and kind of, you know, stuck it in the face of Hangman. Yeah, great moment. I didn't expect him to do a move steal at the end there. But then they had that whole moment after the match where Hangman comes down to the ring. Uh, I was surprised Hangman didn't have any words for him. He just flipped him off. But, you know, CM Punk was full heel in this moment as well. You know, saying, oh, you're pissed off at me and stuff like that. Yeah, I just beat you, boy. Uh (laughs) Yeah, it was was great. I mean, I loved it. It almost felt like Punk was teasing a heel turn too uh, when he went into the whole I wake up every morning, I ask if I'm a good guy. Um and then he said, today I woke up asking if I was the champ. So, you know, he's going hard for the belt. Uh, you know, Hangman flipped him off at the end. It looked like he thought about going back after he went up the ramp, but then decided not to. So, um, I don't know, man. I, I, I dig the fire mm-hmm. that's, you know, happening between these two guys right now. It feels organic. It's not just going to be, you know, a babyface versus babyface match. Uh, it looks like they're really going to kind of like stir up some heat between these two. It almost comes off like a pre-UFC fight where, you know, these two don't actually have any real animosity. They're just trying to fight each other, you know, and they're just building up the heat for the actual match. Yeah, we'll see in like, you know, the last couple of weeks if they give more of a motive to Mm. Hangman for, you know, the promo that he cut. Um, You know, I almost could see it being a case of Hangman just being kind of jealous of the attention that Punk's been getting that like it's, you know, his title reign has been kind of like, you know, an afterthought because of like the spotlight being on Punk. I could see that being kind of like the driving force, you know, behind, you know, Hangman's actions and, you know, the whole promo that he cut um but we'll have to wait and see so you know i was kind of expecting to see more of a back and forth between the two guys you know tonight but i thought they left it perfectly the way it was especially with punk you know playing that traditional heel Mm -hmm. role in new york you know long island so well up next we have the ring debut of danhausen after you know three months uh, after his you know premiere in the company uh he seems to be finally healed up he was going up against tony niece uh who had uh smart mark sterling in his corner uh and danhausen pretty much got squashed <laughs> was it was a bit of a surprise to me uh he'll be fine people were freaking out online i was like okay guys it's dan Housen. he's he's gonna bounce back it's gonna be okay it's not gonna hurt his character or his push he's still gonna be over um this was all pretty much just setting up uh hook coming out and making the save as we have the mega powers finally shake hands in the middle of the uh-huh. ring and it seems like Hookhausen is gonna actually be a thing as we'd find out later Hookhausen's going to be facing off against mark sterling 
Antoni Nice in the what is what do they call it? The uh buy-in? Yeah. The, the buy-in, buy-in for mm-hmm. double or nothing, right? Okay. Yeah. So I'm actually surprised that's not making me the main card. I mean, because the crowd fucking yes. popped. Huge. You would think that fucking Macho Man and Hogan were standing <laughs> in the middle of the ring, shaking hands for the first fucking time. But no, I mean, I thought this was a nice moment. I'm glad they they seem to reverse course here. At first, it seemed like we were going to get Hook versus Danhausen, with Hook just like destroying Danhausen. Um, but I didn't see how that would do either of them any favors. You know, since both of them have like rabid like fan bases. Mm. So you know. This made more sense to get them to where they wanted to go with them teaming up, I felt like. I also think it did a good job of getting Tony Nese over as a heel. I loved everything Mark Sterling said about, like, this guy got an entrance and you didn't. And you still beat him in two seconds. I love that. Yes. Yeah, though, that was great. That was great. Because Tony Nese is super Mm -hmm. talented. He just really has no charisma, though. (laughs) (laughs) But that's why he's with, you know, Sterling. So hopefully they're able to do something with him. Because, I mean, God, I mean, talk about Danhausen debuting like three months ago. I think Tony Nese showed up about like four or five months ago. Much longer. And like... He's had nothing but like dark matches at this point. So just feels like a complete waste. Um, so hopefully they can find something for him, you know, sooner than later. And it, this seems to be at least the start of that. And oh, actually, right before this, there was a little backstage moment with Tony Schiavone, of course, with Britt Baker and Jamie Hayter in the back. And uh, they kind of alluded to the fact that if Jamie Hayter were to win, she would then be going up against Britt Baker, causing a little bit of tension there uh, before, you know, Jamie Hayter's future match that we're probably going into in a little bit. Yeah, uh, Britt and uh, Rebel shared a little look mm-hmm. uh, after, you know, uh, Britt said, like, may the best woman uh, win, uh, you know, kind of just denoting that, you know, most likely, you know, Rebel would, you know, side with Britt. So uh, which makes perfect sense. Uh, I- I'm sure that feud is coming mm-hmm. soon. I'm, I'm going to guess, you know, probably sometime after the tournament. And I'm all for it. Uh, Jamie Hayter's been looking great in the ring lately. Uh, they had a, a really good um, tag match on Rampage with uh, Britt and Hater versus Ruby and Tony. Uh, you know, it was one of the best women's matches on AEW TV in a while. So, uh, but yeah, Jamie really carried the load there. So I'm excited to see what the future holds. And I think she's going to be like massively over as a babyface, honestly. So moving on, we had the contract signing between MJF and Wardlow. Uh <laughs> Now, reminder, we're in Long Island, <laughs> so this was Bizarro World. Uh-huh. We had people in the front row dressed <laughs> up like MJF, like with the scarves and the suit, suits and everything. They actually started off the segment with the Dark Side of the Ring uh, parody, uh, talking about, you know, basically everything that's happened between Wardlow and MJF so far. You know, painting MJF as the victim. Uh-huh. Uh, it was damn good stuff. Because <laughs> honestly, at first, I thought it was actually like a trailer for the new, like, Dark Side of the Ring, like, you know. Uh-huh. I was like, wait a second. I, I just and got canceled. We, I was like, what? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then you had Jericho doing the voiceover and everything. It was it was good stuff. But yeah, no, I love this. I love that, like, basically MJF is like Bret Hart in Canada in the late 90s right now, where, you know, it is Bizarro World and, you know, the crowd is going to cheer him. You know, all the heels are over and all the baby faces uh-huh. are basically the heels. So at least when MJF's in the ring. 
Uh, you know, although I did feel like there was a little like reluctancy for the crowd to fully boo Wardlow here just because he's been so over mm-hmm. the program has been working so well. Uh, but yeah, no, it was a great segment. Um, MJF once again, basically put like a labyrinth in front of his opponent, you know, to get a match with him. Uh, this time, uh, Warlow is going to have to go ahead and he he's going to start off and he's going to do the Cody spot where he has to get whipped, you know, 10 times uh, by MJF in the middle of the ring just to earn the right to face off with Sean Spears in a still cage match uh, the following week with MJF as the special guest referee. And only then will he get the match with MJF at double or nothing. But... If Wardlow loses, he's not allowed to sign a contract with AEW. Um, I'm curious to see how this is all going to play out. I feel like, you know, the obvious way to go is to have MJF lose. But, I mean, MJF, I feel like he's been doing a lot of losing lately. So I wonder if there's going to be another wrinkle of the story and we actually see Wardlow lose and then have to, like, earn his, you know, AEW contract some other way. Um, But then again, you know, AEW does stick to their stipulations. So, I mean, maybe this is going to be a huge babyface moment for Wardlow. And, you know, he goes over here. Uh, I, in the long run, probably won't hurt MJF. And, you know, he'll be able to get his heat back. I just hate to see him keep on losing these, like, bigger programs. Uh, but, you know, I love this so far. Everything that they've done has just been pitch perfect. So I can't wait to see what happens next. And I, I feel like it's one of the best things going on AEW TV right now. I just feel like with the cage match, it sets up a situation where I, I don't know if there's a way that he can actually win the match unless they did like a win by escape, you know, because like, how does yeah. he win that with MJF as special guest referee? I don't know. I mean, he's got a win, though, because they got to get to double or nothing. But you're right. And, and it's a cage a match. I would be like, oh, I'm trapped in a cage with my mortal enemy. As ref, I'm going to yeah. just beat him up. <laughs> and, he, I mean, Warlow smirks when they announce that it's a cage uh-huh. match between Spears and him. Like, you're, you're going to die. I'm going to kill you. <laughs> um, but, yeah, MJF is definitely the wild card. Well, not even the wild card. It's going to be a handicap match, pretty much. But the thing is, and what I'm bumping up against is, like, AEW, they don't tend to do escape yeah. the cage rules like WWE. So unless that's a stipulation that they end up putting in for some reason, um, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, I loved all the Cody stuff, too, by the way. Uh, I forgot to mention that, you know, MJF, you know, drops Cody's name, uh, you know, and talks about how it's his his bud and that he looks forward to, you know, see him in 2024 or something like that. I'm paraphrasing, mm-hmm. which got a big response from the crowd. Um, he's really playing up, you know, jumping ship to WWE, which tells me that you know, him and Tony Khan probably already have like a contract worked out or something. I at least hope so. Yeah. So, <laughs> well, honestly, I, I hope not for MJF's sake, just because I feel like that's bad business, but you know, it is what it is. Um, you know, I, I feel like they probably have a verbal agreement of like, I'm willing to pay you this mm-hmm. much. Like when your contract's up, like, don't worry, you're going to get your money. There was that report out there that MJF is upset that he's not, like getting some kind of raise or some sort like of like you know or like Tony Khan's not renegotiating his contract um especially with all this like major talent coming in and everything like that and I'm sure like the deal he signed in the very beginning is a smaller mm. deal 
you know, since compared to where he is now on the card. So, but I'm sure they're going to work something out because I can't imagine Khan being okay with MGF constantly, you know, name dropping the WWE, mm-hmm. you know, on his program. Um, you know, I feel like it's more of a case of MGF just trying to drum up, you know, a lot of heat for himself. So, which makes sense. Well, I also couldn't, I couldn't imagine him being okay with him losing his pretty much top heel in his company. <laughs> well, no, of course not. But it's whether or not he's going to have the money to match WWE. Sure. Because you have to remember, WWE is going to, I mean, they've got a bigger pocketbook than Tony Khan, uh, especially by 2024. So, I mean, hopefully, you know, Khan's able to compete. Maybe they get an, an awesome new, like, you know, TV deal, um, you know, that allows him to compete. But it sounds like from, like, multiple sources that WWE is willing to basically offer MJF anything he wants and more uh, to get him to sign. So we'll have to see. It's I mean... It'll be interesting, you know, when shit goes down. Um, and, you know, he's not the only one who's going to have his contract up. So I feel like there's going to be a, a huge bidding war for a lot of talent, um, which is good for the business in the long run. So up next, we had a video package uh, hyping up Samoa Joe going up against the Joker next week on Dynamite. Dut, Lethal, and Singh were part of the package, uh, claiming that they weren't the Joker, but mocking Joe. You know, at the same time. So we'll see if that's the case. Uh, do you have any uh, guesses who the Joker might be? Is it going to be an outside talent or is it actually going to be someone who's already part of the promotion? I mean, my my first gut reaction is definitely going to be Cesaro. That's my you know, instinct is telling me Cesaro. Um, there's been people uh, thinking Johnny Gargano as well as an option. Uh, I, if it was an inside person, I could see them going with like Kip Saban as a possibility. Well, maybe it's someone who's actually with the company that's been injured. Mm. Maybe it's like Miro. Oh, that would be good. That'd be a right? huge match. Um, be a, yeah, and it'd be a big return mm-hmm. for Miro. Uh, but you're right. That would be one hell of a match. But I could see Joe losing the match just due to like outside interference yeah. with like, you know, Dud and Lethal. Um, so we'll just have to wait and see. But I'm excited. Um, you know, Tony has been kind of quiet on all fronts about these Jokers. So he's not like overhyping it. So I'm wondering <laughs> if it's going to be someone who's uh-huh. already with, you know, the, you know, AEW. He's, he's the first one to be out there saying, oh, oh my something God, special's yes. coming. <laughs> now, if the ratings are in the toilet again this week, I could see him doing that, you know, on Busted Open on Thursday or Friday, uh-huh. you know, hyping shit up. So. Uh, we'll we'll see. So moving on, we have the FTW Championship on the line with Ricky Starks defending the belt against Jungle Boy. Uh, I thought this was a great back and forth. They had fantastic chemistry together in the ring. I'm not quite sure if I've seen these two face off before besides like tags, um, but they work really well together. So um, I, I could see them working like a long term program in the future. I, I would love that feud. So maybe that's something that, you know, will happen at some point. And even though that like Jungle Boy's on this kind of losing streak and it feels like that's kind of the program right now uh, for the Jurassic Express, I really thought there was a chance that Jungle Boy was going to walk away with this belt. Um, that is until Swerve Scott came out unknowingly causing a distraction, unfortunately, uh, which caused Jungle Boy to lose the match. Uh, afterwards, we saw Christian and Luchasaurus come out. Uh, we kind of had a face-off between uh, Jurassic Express, uh, Swerve, who was joined by Keith Lee and uh, Powerhouse Hobbs and Starks. Um, 
it seems like they're teasing maybe like a three-way dance between these teams uh, for the tag team titles at some point. I know that uh, Hobbs and Starks are supposed to get a title shot um, soon. I don't, I know. Did they announce the match? Like when that match is supposed to take oh, place? I just figured it was going to happen at a double or nothing. Is it going to be a double or nothing? Because I, I kind of thought it was going to be a TV match, honestly. So um, maybe it happens on TV and then we kind of build to like the mm. three-way dance between these teams at double or nothing. But after Dax lost and was out of the tournament, I was like, okay, so most likely FTR is going to be getting, you know, the title shot against Jurassic Express at the pay-per-view. Because I kind of figured it was either going to be FTR or um, the Combat Club, you know, at the pay-per-view. Gotcha. You know, with obviously, you know, Christian eventually turning <laughs> on Jungle Boy, which was heavily teased tonight uh, with their camera angles and everything. We saw Jungle Boy like moping in the corner with his head turned. Christian, like we got this long shot mm-hmm. of Christian, like slowly walking <laughs> towards him. I was like, oh, my God. Uh, you know, I thought it was a great shot, but I mean, they couldn't get more blatant with them, like teasing that turn. So uh, that's happening, I'm guessing, you know, in the next couple weeks. I did feel like the moment before that was a little too long with all the three teams kind of staring at each other. I could see that. Like, I I feel like they're trying to, you know, with Lee's um, walk down the ramp, Uh that definitely sucked up some time (laughs) there (laughs) because he definitely took his time getting out there uh, and the crowd was reacting to him. So they kind of like let that play out. Um, but yeah, no, it was fine though. I, I think there's a good heat between the teams and I think they could put on a hell of a match. So I'm looking forward to it. I just, I'm curious to see when that happens because after tonight, we kind of have a clue on what's next for the Blackpool Combat Club. Uh, but like FTR, like, I feel like they have to be on the paper. Mm-hmm. I feel like it would just be such a waste. So, I mean, maybe it'll be them defending the ROH titles or something like that. Or a um, four-way dance. You never know. <laughs> no, that's true. They could do a four-way. I mean, it'd be chaos, but, I mean, it is what it is. I just feel like FTR is super hot right now and being a mistake not to put the belts around their waist. And it'd be cool, too, because they make them the Triple Crown uh, champs. So in our next segment, we had the Jericho Appreciation Society's victory speech. Uh, I'm not going to lie. When this was announced, I was extremely annoyed because I was like, oh, my God, how how many mm-hmm. segments like this can we possibly do in this program? Um, but they went ahead and did it anyway. Uh, but at least there was progression in the storyline this week because basically we saw Jericho gloating in the ring. Garcia got on the mic and said sports entertainers beat wrestlers every time. And then the music was cued and walked Moxley. Uh, You know, the crowd went crazy. Then, of course, Brian Danielson, Willer Yuta and Regal joined him. We had a big face off in the ring. And then all of a sudden, Kingston and uh, Santana Ortiz popped up. Uh, So finally, for once, uh, Kingston had the numbers advantage against the appreciation society. It turned into a big melee. Uh, Jericho and crew basically hit the road as fast as possible, Um, but it sets up that blood of guts match or maybe a stadium stampede um, probably happening, I'm guessing, within the next couple weeks, if not on uh, Double or Nothing. If they choose to do that match at Double or Nothing, is it too jam-packed? Because either of those matches are usually at least a half hour, if not longer. Well, I mean, those pay-per-view shows go for like three to four hours. I feel like the AEW ones. That is true. Honestly, too, with like the Blackpool Combat Club in the mix, 
I don't see a stampede match, right? Like that'd be way too hokey mm-hmm. for them to do. That that's going to be a blood and guts match, if anything. But at the same time, you could see it, you know, being something that Jericho angles for, rather than it being something that they want to do. You know, it's like ah, what's the most entertaining match? A match that I created. You know, I could see a blood and gu- I could see them basically doing what they did when Jericho and the Inner Circle faced off against the Pinnacle, where you know they get challenged to. The blood and guts match and then you know jericho challenges them you know to the um stampede gotcha, match exactly. like you know okay. you've had your mm-hmm. match now you're gonna do my match um so it, it it could work out that way um but my god i mean this program is gonna be going on forever <laughs> at this point but i mean the mjf jericho feud i mean that really lasted a whole mm-hmm. year so start to finish. I mean, yeah, there are a lot of different like wrinkles to that storyline and everything. And at one point, you know, MJF was part of the inner circle. So um, this doesn't seem to have as many like twists and turns, but Jericho loves those longer storylines. So and that seems like what we're getting here. Um, you know, eventually, hopefully it ends up being like some kind of crazy one on one match between him and Kingston. Uh, and I- I'm sure he's going to end up putting over Kingston. So I, I got to give Jericho all the credit in the world. I mean, he's definitely in the mode of like, I'm here to make talent. Um, and that's what he's been doing, you know, for the last like couple of years. So you got to give him all the credit because there's been plenty of wrestlers in his position in the past who aren't as giving and who are a lot more protective of their name and their legacy, where Jericho seems to be willing to, you know, put the company before himself. Mm-hmm. So my hat's off to him. So up next, we had a video package hyping up the match between Thunder Rosa and Serena Deeb at Double or Nothing for the women's title. I thought this was a really nice put together package. And even though both women weren't on the show tonight, it at least kept, you know, that match in the forefront of fans' minds. Mm -hmm. Which, I mean, they did a lot of talking segments tonight and they did a lot of video packages tonight. But I felt like the flow of the show was a hundred times better than what we got last week. And I felt like they did some good storytelling and really like laid the groundwork, you know, hyping up, you know, future matchups on the show for the promotion, which is important. No, this definitely did more for the uh, like match than that segment they did last week. So, oh, my God. Yeah, that died 100 deaths out there. Now, I love that Dustin Rose is all of a sudden like Thunder Rose's like Uh coach. Did you catch yeah, that? I, I, like, I know he came out during or after their cage mm-hmm. match, her cage match uh, with Britt and like gave her a hug after she won the title. But like, they never really talked about like, oh, you know, he's her mentor and all this, unless that's been like on, on other interviews that I haven't seen before. But I feel like they've never talked about that on Dynamite. So it kind of caught me off guard. But whatever, that's cool. I mean, we'll see if he's actually like in her corner, you know, after this. Is that something you'd like to see, Christian? Um, I mean, meh. <laughs> I, don't, I don't need Dustin to be a part of the story. Yeah, I, I feel the same way. <laughs> <laughs> Just feels like out of place and out of uh, nowhere, but whatever. It gives them something to do. But who knows? Maybe after that interview segment last week, they were like, okay, Thunder, we're going to have uh, a mouthpiece for you for now. Well, that's what I'm wondering. I was like, oh, did they figure she needs a manager and that's why? But I, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Maybe I mean, although I will say they did kind of plant the seeds when he came mm-hmm. out, you know, to celebrate with her when she won the title, because that even caught me off guard. I was like, oh, I was expecting more people to come out, but it was just Dustin. So I was like, man, am I missing something? You know, did they set up this relationship prior? 
but they didn't do anything since then. So I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I'm fine with it. It is what it is. So after this, we had another Owen Hart Cup quarterfinal match, uh, this time on the women's side of things with Tony Storm facing off against Jamie Hayter. Uh, I thought this was a fantastic match. Uh, the crowd at first was a little dead, but they both women eventually got them back into it. Um, Storm is a fucking, she's going to be a huge star. Yes. Like. <laughs> um, you know, like, I don't feel like people give her enough credit. Um, you know, I felt like her debut was, I mean, she got the big pop at first, but then it just was kind of underwhelming. Um, but if they give her the spotlight, you know, I mean, the sky's the limit. So I wouldn't be surprised if she ends up with that title, you know, by the end of the year. And I could really see her like going on and, you know, winning this whole tournament. Uh, she did defeat Hater here. Um, and I said before, Hater has been looking fantastic in the ring too. So, um, you know, the women's division is looking brighter and brighter every day. No, uh, these two definitely complement each other. They both have very similar histories with the indies and everything like that. And, I, and, and what we've seen from Tony before WWE, I mean, just with a little bit of work, I feel like she could be great at promos as well. I just don't think they've given her enough time to talk. Well, honestly, like I thought her work in like NXT UK was better than her work in NXT. Yeah, it was. And it's weird because NXT at that point had a good history of booking the women's division you know, their women's division. So I was kind of surprised that, you know, she wasn't like, you know, a grand slam hit, you know, when she came in, but I don't know something, maybe it was just the, you know, the chemistry she had with, you know, the people she's facing off against something just wasn't clicking for me. Um, you know, she did get the call up on, you know, to the main roster and, you know, we saw how that worked. Um, but that was no surprise to anyone. So I'm happy to see her kind of hit the ground running here. Um, so and with Storm hitting the Storm Zero for the win, uh, Storm will end up facing the winner of the Britt Baker Joker match, <laughs> uh, which is taking place next week. Uh, so uh, any speculation on who the Joker will be in this match? Uh, I am not sure. Uh, it could pop. Like, again, there's a lot of people saying Ember Moon. There's a lot of people saying uh, potentially Candice Lee Ray, which I don't think that's going to happen. No, <laughs> I feel like I mean, that'd be impressive because she just uh -huh. had that kid. So uh, I'd love to see it, but I don't think she's probably ready just yet. Yeah, I mean, I really have no clue. I, I feel like it's going to be Athena, the former Ember Moon also. Um but at the same time, like, I'm trying to think, is there anyone injured in AEW right now on the women's side? I know Layla Hirsch just went down, but I can't imagine it being her. I mean, if it's a Joker, if it's the Joker card, I feel like it's the Joker card for a mm -hmm. reason. Like, it's supposed to be setting up a big surprise. So it's either someone, you know, of note making a big return or, you know, it's someone from the outside coming in for the first time. And I, I feel like it's got to be Athena. Just recently in an interview, uh, she just expressed, you know, serious interest in like joining AEW. So even if her debut is not during this, you know, tournament, I feel like her debut is going to be intimate, you know, uh, any any week or month now. Ooh, another person I think would be great with AEW would be Tegan Knox. I forgot she's been Ooh, released. That's true. I didn't even think about that. Now, wait, when was she released, though? I don't know if she still has her no compete clause. I'm not sure either. I think she was the group before this most recent one with uh, Dakota Kai and them. 
So I think she was a, the uh, last batch, like a couple months ago, right? I think so. <laughs> it's hard to keep track, and it's it's kind of a question whether or not she was still underneath an NXT contract or if she mm-hmm. signed a main roster contract. Because if it's the NXT contract, then it's just a thirty day no compete clause. But if it's a main roster, you know, contract, then it's a ninety day no compete clause. So if it's the ninety day no compete clause, then she might still have a little bit left until she can you know show up in AEW. but yeah dakota kai she probably is not available just yet no yeah. i'm assuming so what about uh mia yim she just showed up on impact but you know it seems like they're willing to work with AEW. it'd be mm-hmm. it'd be a nice surprise um and i could see that being someone that the crowd would be okay with brit going over on where if athena debuts like, I feel like Athena would have to be Brett. And I don't know if AEW is willing to have Brett take a loss right away in the tournament. You know, even though she is kind of on a losing streak, you know, since she's dropped the title. So maybe that just continues her story regardless. I mean, either way, it's got to be a big baby face that she could, like that Brett's going up against. That's all I'm imagining. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. You know, me personally, I'm hoping for Athena because I feel like. I mean, she'll bring so much to the women's division, um, you know, and like I said, it is a division that is on the uprise right now, but I feel like that will kind of like, you know, bringing in Athena will kind of like solidify Mm -hmm. things um, at this point where, you know, the women's division becomes like a must watch and it's something that's featured more on AEW TV because it's still not highlighted enough. Um, You know, they're getting better, but, you know, they still have a lot of improvement you know to do so up next excalibur announced the lineup for next week's AEW dynamite uh we're gonna see chris jericho and william regal to have a face-to-face which should be fucking (laughs) epic uh we have another owen hart cup uh quarterfinals match uh with kyle o'reilly facing off against ray phoenix uh and then we also have uh Britt baker versus the joker in the women's bracket uh quarterfinal match we also have a slew of owen hart Cup uh, tournament matches. Uh, first one up is Kyle O'Reilly versus Ray Phoenix. Then we have Britt Baker versus the Joker, who we just speculated on who it could possibly be. And then we have Samoa Joe going up against the Joker, a match who, once again, we talked about earlier. So uh, we have Hangman Page going up against, oh, Takashita, uh, who we saw make his TV debut on Rampage against Jay Lethal in a really good match by the way definitely check that out uh he's a big star from ddt uh so it feels like they're really high on him that they keep on you know featuring him on you know their shows so um i would imagine that he'll be getting a big push you know in the near future uh we have wardlow getting uh his 10 lashes from mjf uh which should be a good time and then you know i guess in the main event we're gonna have adam cole versus the winner of the darby allen and jeff hardy match we then had a video package hyping up the match between scorpio sky and frankie gazarian on rampage uh, they both just talked about their mutual respect uh, for each other and their long history, obviously. Sammy Guevara and Ty Conte ended up coming out and interrupting uh, Kazarian, who ended up blowing them off and walking away. Uh, 
it seems like Avar is going to still be part of this program with Scorpio Sky. Uh, Scorpio is in full babyface mode right now, uh, which leads me to believe that Ethan Page and Dan Lambert are going to be turning on him probably in the near future. If not at that match. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I could see in the match like Ethan Page goes to interfere and like, you know, to help basically Scorpio and then Scorpio gets pissed off at Page and then, you know, after the match, you know, Ethan Page ends up turning on Sky, you know, and that kind of sets up, you know, Page versus Scorpio at some point. But then last but definitely not least, we had the last Owen Hart Cup quarterfinal match of the night with Jeff Hardy facing off against Darby Allen in an anything goes match. And my God, anything went. Uh, these two tried to fucking kill each other. It was pretty fucking breathtaking and amazing. Uh, I was terrified that someone was going to actually die. <laughs> <laughs> especially when jeff like pulled out that giant fucking ladder i just uh, knew that darby was gonna dive off that goddamn thing and sure enough you know especially after he set up all those fucking chairs on the uh, outside sure enough that's what happened soon after uh these guys were you know going all for broke and you know they did not disappoint the finish came when hardy rolled up darby in a cradle in a kind of out of nowhere you know finish mm -hmm. um but I feel like that kind of leaves meat on the bone, you know, for, you know, future matches. So um, I was I was honestly surprised that Hardy got the win. I was kind of expecting it to be Darby to move on. And then the Hardy boys would, you know, go on to their feud with the Young Bucks, which I mean, don't get me wrong. That's happening at Double or Nothing, you know, at this point. It's obvious. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, Hardy will end up facing off against Adam Cole uh, in the main event of next week's Dynamite. I'm for sure at this point that Cole's probably going to end up getting the win and, you know, moving on to the finals uh, at double or nothing for, you know, the Owen Cup. So and that will end up setting up, you know, the Hardy Boys versus the Young Bucks at double yeah. or nothing. So because the Bucks are going to get involved, they're going to oh. probably super kick like Jeff out of nowhere. Yeah, something's happening. That's uh -huh. for sure. So we even had them come out on the ramp, at, mm -hmm. you know, at the end of the night, you know, and stare the Hardy Boys down. So, um, you know, I, I'm just curious to see where Darby and Sting head after this. I mean, I'm still waiting for that tag team championship match that they definitely are owed. <laughs> no, I mean, you're definitely right. I feel like they're they're pro probably undefeated. Uh -huh. You know, as a tag team. <laughs> are they even in the like top five rankings no, at this point? They're not in the rankings at all. It doesn't make I any don't know sense. Why. <laughs> but I mean, I could also see them move on to like, you know, after Double or Nothing, like have like Sting and Darby versus the Hardy Boys. You know, that'd mm -hmm. be a pretty big match. Uh, you know, I don't know what the angle would be, if it would just be a match for respect or something. I eventually think we're gonna get a bigger program between Darby and Jeff, you know, with Jeff, you know, passing the you know, torch to Darby. So, I mean, that only makes sense and it would be the right thing to do. Yeah, because I figured that was what was going to happen here. But yeah, with them ending it the way they did, maybe it'll be like a best of three type of situation between the two of them. And maybe Khan didn't want to like blow his wad with like a Cole and Darby match just yet. Like maybe he's saving that program for the future because that mm. is a pretty big program, you know, when they do end up going that route and pulling the trigger. But that's it for this week's Dynamite. Like I said, I mean, it was a huge rebound for them. Um, you know, I'm sure that they felt like they had to put their best foot forward, you know, after last week's, you know, abysmal showing. Uh -huh. uh, you know, I mean, it was critically panned and it did awful in the ratings. But I mean, that's 
in no fault of their own, they're going up against the NBA playoffs. And honestly, it's only going to get more difficult the deeper they go into the playoffs. So I wouldn't be surprised if the ratings are down this week also. So we'll we'll have to wait and see, though. Um, but all in all, I thought this show did a great job of, you know, continuing storylines and hyping up, you know, future matches and programs for the upcoming shows and especially Double or Nothing. It was hotter than a Chris Jericho fireball, that's for sure. I'm still waiting for him to come out with the wizard's hat. Like, that's got to happen, right? There's got to be at least a shirt. (laughs) (laughs) I still want him to throw more fireballs. Like, that's got to be his thing, though. (laughs) You know, it can't just be like a one or done thing. Like, you know, if he wants to continue using the wizard gimmick, he's got to throw more fireballs. God damn it. I could see him holding it off to like their stampede match because that sounds that seems more like a gimmick for that. Yeah. Yeah. No, you're, you're exactly right. Double or Nothing is, you know, shaping up to be a hot show. Uh, the matches that we do have announced so far really isn't much, but we can really, like, read the tea leaves here. Uh, you know, we have Hangman Page uh, versus CM Punk with the title on the line. We have Thunder Rosa versus Serena Deeb with the title on the line. Uh, in the buy-in, we have Hookhausen versus uh, Tony Nese and Mark Sterling. The crowd's going to go fucking apeshit for that match. Uh-huh. Um, and then we know we're going to have the finals for the women and the men in the Owen Hart Cup uh, tournament. So, which should be a, a major moment for AEW. All right, that's going to do it for today's show. We're going to be back next week with more AEW talk. Well, that does it for this week. That's right. And as a friendly reminder, if you're listening to us on your favorite podcast platform, remember to subscribe, rate, and give us a five-star review. Exactly. It sure does help an independent podcast like ours continue to grow. And while you're at it, make sure to tell a friend. Plus, if you like any of the stories we talked about on this week's episode, make sure to check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter to catch the full articles, trailers, memes, and more. That's right. You can follow us at Amazing Nerd Show on all social media platforms. And hey, if you're looking for extra content, make sure to catch our streams every weekend on Twitch, plus YouTube videos Monday through Friday. Want to support the show further? You can head over to tpublic.com and get yourself some amazing Nerd Show merch. We've got t-shirts, hoodies, stickers, and more. And if you post what you bought and tag us on social media, we'll send you some additional nerd swag if you live in the United States. Well, all right, Damon, what are we talking about next week? All right, next week we're going to be reviewing the film Firestarter, and you'll have a review for us for the first season of Halo. Plus, we'll keep on talking some AEW. My name's Christian. And my name's Damon. And that was The Amazing Nerd Show. Look at me, Damien.